Hello, folks. Welcome to another episode of Catch Up, the podcast about contemporary hip-hop that examines where hip-hop has been, where it's going, and where it is. I'm Jordan Suwami. And I'm James Rathbone. And this week, we are talking about uh, a very exciting rapper who, you know, with all the talk of, like, of the end of the decade lists, I think has a very strong entry into best of the, a best of the decade project. Uh, that is Danny Brown. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Although, actually, I don't know that this album is the best of the decade. Absolutely not. But looking back on his career, he's been one of the sort of most interesting rappers of the decade, without question. Yes, I would say so. But I also have some I have some issues with 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 him. Interesting. Yes. So we'll, we'll, we'll get, get into in, that later. Yeah, we'll get into that later. Um, but before that, I just want to say, if you're listening to this in the week in which it drops, uh, we have an event on Friday. It's a uh, Boosie Fade 41. It's at the shop in Toronto. Uh, you should come through. Yeah. We're going to be doing them a little bit less frequently because, you know, we're getting older. We have more commitments. Uh, and, you know, sometimes scarcity is a good thing. I've been thinking about how we're in the hypebeast generation, you know, where people line up for shoes like overnight uh-huh. which is like a you know if you were to say to someone in america in like the 1960s that in like <laughs> the 19 in the 2010s people would be lining up for shoes they would have thought like soviet russia took over uh-huh. but uh no people do it by choice and it is because of scarcity and mm-hmm. the value of scarcity and not having enough of things and i feel like we want boozy fade to be like that just as it was when we were both living internationally when fly back like lunatics to dj in toronto <laughs> It's true. It's true. We also had a good conversation with academics about scarcity. Yeah. You know, it's you got to you can't you can't give oversupply. And uh yeah, so we'll be doing it a little bit less, but for now we're still monthly until the end of this year. Yeah. And so you should come out while it's still easily available. You don't have to wait in line because that is probably what's going to happen once we do it. Yes, that's true. Um, and speak, speaking of academics, uh, we just got word that we will be having some new live episodes coming up very soon. So stay tuned. Uh, continue to support us by listening and telling people about the podcast or supporting our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash ketchup podcast. Uh, follow our Instagram account at ketchup podcast because that's where the, the announcement will be when we have our, our next guest book and booked. And I'm, I'm very excited for this next guest. And I know that... Uh, it will be very exciting to all of our listeners once we're able to announce it. So yeah, there's some people who uh, you know are not as huge, big of fans of academics as we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one I feel like is a real crowd pleaser, and will you know if all goes according to plan, be a very memorable night. Yes. So stay tuned. Uh, keep supporting the podcast. Tell your friends. Rate, review, subscribe, do all that thing. Do all those things. We we haven't talked about the rating and reviewing of late. And we, yeah, uh, if get, you're if you're a listener who hasn't rated or reviewed our podcast, please show us some love on there. Uh, give us five stars. Write something nice. Uh, make our moms proud. Exactly. We need that. We need affirmation. I want you know affirmation is really important, especially in the internet era where you know Mark Zuckerberg's trying to get you down. Support us, and we'll support you by giving you something to listen to uh, and inform you about hip-hop. That's right. All right, let's get into the Danny Brown stuff. Let's do it. So, Jordan, when was the first time you heard of a rapper named Danny Brown? So... I would venture to say that it was probably around 2011, 2012-ish. And um, yeah, probably probably 2012, actually. I uh, I don't remember exactly how I came across this video, but I came across a video probably through Twitter of this song by the rapper named Mr. Motherfucking Esquire. And it was the Huzzah remix, which featured uh, Despot, Das Racist, LP, and mm-hmm. Danny Brown. Mm-hmm. And... I hadn't heard of Danny Brown before. I think I'd maybe read his name, but I'd never listened to any of his music. And the, the Hazar remix is a, uh, it has a video that you absolutely need to watch. It's very evocative of this like early 2010s kind of like really popular, like indie slash internet rap thing that was going on. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I never connected to Das Racist. It was just kind of like too, too like, uh, I don't know. Like self-aware and ironic. Yeah, too like, uh, like kind of like intellectual, 
I go to a liberal arts college. Ugh, I'm appealing suck. to New York hipster rap for me. It was just like not my taste. They are not good people, and I do not fuck with them. <laughs> okay, I've spent time with them. I they are not, and do not fuck with them. They are sketchy, and it's no. This is known. Yeah, okay, that's true. It's, it's known. true. It's, uh, yes, and it's, it's very, at least and very... my personal experience aligns with that. They're kind of swarmy and just like not cool. Okay, yeah. man, we have to do an episode where we all talk about our celebrity stories because <laughs> I have a few. I got. Got one about Chance the Rapper. Yeah. That's like a funny story. Yeah. Um, I don't know who else I got in my in my repertoire, but I can I can dig back. Uh, I've interviewed a lot of rappers, spent a lot of time around a lot of rappers, and I've I've seen some things, and I would like to, and I feel like we should share that. Yeah, we should probably like, I don't know, we should maybe solicit some stories, but we'll see how live. Maybe we have to do it like like blind items, like you know, where we yeah, can't yeah, say yeah. the rapper's name. We can just like kind of hint at who it is. Yeah, that's a good way of doing and it. And then just like yeah, so that's something we can think about. Oh, that's kind of a funny way of doing it. I like that. <laughs> um, yeah, so this song, you know, despite what I said about Das Racist, on this song... Yeah, pretty good. They're great. Yeah. They're they're great. And the, the song is, is honestly, I think, like a pretty perfect posse cut, probably one of my favorite posse cuts of all time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of people stood out to me. Despot has a great verse on it. LP was really impressive. But, like, the, th- the person that stood out to me most was Danny Brown when I saw him. It was just, like, <laughs> he just looked so different. He had his ha- asymmetrical haircut. He's wearing a T-shirt for uh, Duct Tape Entertainment, which is the rap label that was uh, oh Trouble, God. the rapper from Atlanta, and Alley Boy. Alley Boy. And, I, and I, I also, I mean, this is, like, that's a super obscure reference. But, like, mm-hmm. you Google these guys. They're pretty, they got some some bangers. And they're also, like, you know, terrifying Atlanta street goons. Yeah. And it was so into the idea of this Danny Brown, like tight jeans, wearing asymmetrical yeah. haircut, like hipster looking dude who was like super into these street rappers. Yeah. Because in some ways I'm like, that's my story. I wish you had an asymmetrical haircut. Uh, you know, maybe you should, like, I would like to see that styled at some point. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's like, is there like an app that can do that? Like a 2010 fits. Oh uh, my like God. face mask filters type thing. We gotta, <laughs> you know, app developers who are listening. We gotta, we gotta get into this. Yeah, let's talk. But um, anyway, Danny Brown was just like it was. It wasn't. It was his look. It was the kind of like melding of different rap cultures. I felt, mm-hmm. and it was also just like his voice. This yeah. is like one of his biggest skills. This is like his the uniqueness of his voice, and his verse is just really great. So let's listen to a little bit of Danny Brown on the Hazar remix. Straight shots of Quavo, blunts to the neck. Got a rap bitch that smoke blacks and tied a plastic melt. My legacy is shining like a diamond on a tannin bed. Climbing on your niggas, put the iron to your head. Instead, your niggas trying to get ahead. Like a straight bullet, your niggas misled. I'm about my bread. You ain't, you can roll. Try to stop that, get a bagel size hoe. Cause in a bed, nice, heat the house, use the stove. Take a cold bath to walk the school in the snow. So I was on the Danny Brown train pretty early, not like uh, when he first started out, which uh, if you don't know, before Danny Brown became sort of Danny Brown, he was doing making music with Tony Yayo and uh, kind of following uh, a path of, of, you know, his sort of uh, sometimes collaborator and contemporary Freddie Gibbs, where he kind of tried to do the mainstream-ish thing, like go to New York, go to L.A. He would take Greyhound buses from Detroit to yeah, New York. which can't be too fun. Mm. Uh, and, you know, tried to kind of do that sound. But, uh, yeah, then he kind of, I think at some point, wanted to get back to his roots and be more himself and get sort of more into the Detroit scene. Uh, I was sort of into the Detroit scene around that time. Like, Who else was uh, popping from Detroit at that time? Black Milk. Yes. Uh, Guilty Simpson. It was sort of like the post-Dilla. LZ. L- yeah. Yeah, L- exactly. Elzai? How do you I, Yeah, I'd never heard yeah. that anyone say the name. <laughs> I've just seen it read. Uh, so, and then Danny uh, came out. So, Danny, I, there was uh, a, Danny's first sort of project as Danny Brown proper. First album, I think. Uh, I think it's an album, not a mixtape, is uh, The Hybrid, mm-hmm. which um, is a, it's, an int- it's an okay album. It's probably worth listening to at least once if you're a Danny Brown fan. But there's one song that really sticks out on it called Shooting Moves, which is just like 
him rapping his ass off. So uh, that was the first, with that song kind of got shared around, around my friends it. in 2010. It was like this exciting new thing. So yeah, let's listen to Shooting Moves. Stay on my toes like orthodontist Duck man, Mike's George Costanza Nigga, it's colonic when I vomit Getting a gazash, use a fag just for thinking gay Nigga, you an entree, better get an order Nigga, you a gold sore, lips of a prostitute But fast, nigga, having trouble with the childproof Nigga, I'll line you, don't make me go back to that Nigga on the mongoose, rest in peace, Ryan Goose Sitting in the old school, smoking on some Goku Buds like Dragon Ball tequila with the lime juice it's also, I should just mention, produced, I didn't realize this, produced by Frank Dukes. Oh, wow. As like an, one of his early production credits. Man. That's kind of amazing. One day we'll have to talk about, Red Bull just did a did a, a talk with uh, Frank Dukes for their music festival mm-hmm. here. And if you have some time, you check out this guy's like catalog on Wikipedia. It's actually insane. Mm-hmm. From like Taylor Swift to Drake to Danny, early Danny Brown yeah. to like... He's just been a part of like so many major songs over the last decade. It's yeah. actually astounding. And he like yeah, I mean he's he is actually someone I'd like to get on the pod at some point. You know, I think if he's he's probably mostly in L.A., but if there's an extended point, he's in Toronto. If anyone is listening to this is tight with Frank Dukes and feels like he would be down for it, send him our way. Okay. Um, but yeah, so after after shooting moves, uh, I I was a fan of 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 Danny and um, I remember in. Uh, 2011. Um, I think it was t- 2011. He made a song with a group called Main Attractions mm. from um, Oakland. From Oakland, and for those of you that don't know, Main Attractions were kind of part of this like early wave of uh of I guess 2010s, maybe late 2000s rappers under the genre of cloud rap. Yes. Uh, sort of little B esque. Yeah, and how would you describe cloud rap to people? So cloud rap, uh, to me, the the it is basically like Clams Casino core. So if you've ever heard the 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 producer Clams Casino, um, he's uh, he makes these sort of ephemeral beats. Early ASAP Rocky was done a lot of Clams Casino beats. Uh, little B's best song one of the best songs ever i'm god is mm-hmm. it like an iconic clams casino beat and to me i'm god sort of started cloud rap and so cloud rap was like these sort of kind of hard fast gangster rap over these like really beautiful ephemeral beats yeah i, I remember reading a lot about this uh when it was happening and the 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 word that was used most often uh, like amongst Writer, music writers was the word ethereal. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Very ethereal. Yeah, exactly. But atmospheric, yeah. kind of like floaty. Yeah, and so they made a song which still I really like. Uh, probably was my favorite main attraction song. Main attractions were cool. I don't think they ever really had the the sort of star power they needed to break out. But they were like a, they're definitely like a really interesting footnote to this era. Well, you should listen to Cloud Skating because it's a, a great song. Okay. Uh, so here's Cloud Skating by Main Attractions featuring Danny Brown. I'm skating, I'm skating, bitch, I'm cloud skating. Used to sell that Reagan, work at the days in. Bad bitch, she Asian. Higher than a Pelican in heaven, blowing sevens, bumping Devin, engine revving, and that Chevy blowing heavy. Main Attract Cloud Rap, low fi indie rap, dog, I'm fucking with that. Green over everything, money over everything. Sarah got me stuck like a fat bitch in a red ring. You would do the same thing if you seen what I seen. Fiend scream in my dreams, nigga, like a horror show. Feeling like Obama line to me like a horoscope. Something that I gotta know. Something that I gotta know. So that fall, uh, it, was, it happened to be the fall that I was uh, in New York interning at the Fader. So Danny Brown was there like a couple times and I shot a couple interviews with him. He dropped one of the best rap albums of the decade, no question. Probably the best rap album of 2011, which also had Take Care. Uh-huh. But I think this album's better. Me too. Is Triple X by yes. Danny Brown. And... You know what? Like I just re-listening to this album in preparation for this episode. Oh, it holds it's up like, so well. It's absolutely insane. Like I cannot recommend this album enough. Like no matter what style of rap you like, it's yeah. like this is it. You yeah. know, it's so punchy. It's so funny. It's shocking. The productions are amazing. Yeah. You know, Danny Brown's dad was a house music DJ, and you feel like like a you can feel that 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 
somebody grew up with with that kind of music and yes. the way that it's like incorporated into his productions here it's yeah. like i hadn't really heard a lot of rap music on production like this and the way that it and it works seamlessly yes exactly you know in in the late uh 2000s ish there was like a kind of funny thing that happened where uh like the sort of french disco-y justice Simeon Mobile Disco, Bloody Beats Roots thing started crossing over into rap a little bit. Uh-huh. You know, Kanye had Day Stronger. Night, the, the, but, cr- the Crookers uh, remix. Yeah, the Crookers remix Kid of, of Kid Cudi was sort of his breakout. Uh, but that this was sort of like the other side of dance music, like much harder sort of dance stuff. Like much That stuff had a, like a real bounciness to it, uh-huh. you know? It was uh-huh. like sort of peppy. And this album, it's like way more interesting what are some of your favorite songs oh man i was i was listening to this album yesterday and i was like losing my mind at how good it is Mm -hmm. like there's so many like even you know like the the opening bars on the album like the very first oh my god bars are colder than the grits they fed slaves yeah meter rap is like watered or raves i know it's like one of the best opening couplets in rap history insane insane absolutely there's so many there's so many different like line like little like just you know, bars where you're just like, you're just shocked at how good it is yeah. and how like naturally it flows. Uh, let's see. You know what I, what I really liked? Uh, I mean, Die Like a Rockstar is great, but I remember like one of the things that really stood out to me listening to this again is like how much I enjoyed Lie For. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just such a fun song. And it's like the way that the production works with his lyrics is like, I think that this really in a lot of ways distills what I love about the album. So let's listen to a little bit of Live 4 by Danny Brown from Triple X. I'm calling now. Yeah, just like Kobe. Yeah, calling now. Yeah, bitch, you know me. Yeah, falling now. And I'm taking out your house, bitch. I'm showing now. What the fuck I got to lie about? 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 What the fuck I got to lie another song i really like on this is scrapper die uh in in 2004 um gz when he was sort of breaking out, had this whole thing like Trap or Die. Uh-huh. He had the Snowman. Uh, you know, he's just talking. He was his sort of affiliation with BMF and selling like hundreds of keys, which was you know sort of loosely true. But like when Danny f- flips the hook of that to be about literally stripping empty houses in Detroit of, of like copper wiring and pipes mm-hmm. uh, to like. You know, and just the way he sort of paints the picture of like this like disgustingly rusty truck just taking the whole family out to these houses to just like strip out metal to, uh, you know, just so they can live. It's like it's so unglamorous. It's like the opposite of the BMF thing of this like giant sort of international uh, crime syndicate. It's like the smallest level of sort of getting by petty crime uh-huh. you know it's sort of victimless really because no one owns these houses essentially they're abandoned houses in detroit you know detroit has sort of since had a renaissance but this album to me really almost feels like kind of the when back when people were always talking about the decline of tr- tr- detroit uh-huh. you know like triple x sort of is like this sort of fed up energy that you feel like is sort of part of the how detroit has sort of grown since then uh-huh. you know uh-huh yeah i think it's like it's also like you know, for a lot of this, the the recollections of this album, it's like Danny thinking of his childhood and his mm-hmm. like young adulthood. Yeah. At this point, like you know, the the title Triple X is like is a reference to his age, mm-hmm. which is thirty at the time this album came out. Yeah, which is a little old for a, like a rapper to extremely kind of, old, kind of be breaking through. It's extremely old. Like if you think of all the, you know, all the big rappers who break now are breaking as teenagers exactly. for the most part, which is kind of how it was in the nineties too. I mean, like. You know, Illmatic came out when Nas was 21. Uh, like, Mob Deep broke out when they were 19. Outcast mm-hmm. when they were 19, I think. Like, you know, the, even those, like, legends back then, it was it was like that. So, you know, for Danny to kind of be coming out at 30 and sort of being self-aware of his age in this kind of mm-hmm, way, mm-hmm. It's, it was just so cool. He, he, has, he has a line on this album where he's like, 
if basically, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, if I, if I don't make it with this album, then I failed at life. Yeah. You know, like it's yeah. over for me. Like yeah. this is like kind of his last shot. And I think also the structure of this, this, this album is pretty interesting because basically the first he, he's talked about how he, he recorded half of this al- album uh, while like using Adderall. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy because like, I remember when the whole Adderall thing, like this, I think I started listening to this album when I was in university mm-hmm. and I went to Western university, which is in London, Ontario. And for those of you that aren't from Canada, it's like a, it's a, it's a well-regarded um, academic school, but it's also known as like a really big party school. And I think the perfect melt of that was the, I mean, I'm sure this is like the, the case at pretty much all universities, but just the preponderance of Adderall at mm-hmm. my university was like astounding. It yeah, was like, yeah. it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember like hearing Danny Brown rap about this. I was like, oh my God. Like, I was yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is crazy. Like, there are rappers rapping about like study drugs. It was just mm-hmm. like so like interesting to me. And so he recorded half this album while using Adderall and half while not. Mm-hmm. And I think also the structure of the album is that the first half is all a kind of like the high is like the mm-hmm. climb it's like the fun parts of, of like you know um of using drugs and then the last half is like all of the like the consequences yeah the kind of you know down. he has a yeah, coming down he has a song called nosebleeds that's like you know basically a narrative song about like the you know what what can go wrong if you're when you're abusing drugs mm-hmm. and yeah and, and it's i think it's just like a lot the, the last half is a lot more subdued but there are some really fun of the of the 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 going up songs like for instance yeah. one of the the early standouts of this song is a song that features a video directed by one asap rocky oh, yeah. and that's uh danny brown's blunt after blunt yeah. and like if you want to talk about just like you know a song full of bon mots just like <laughs> really clever rapping very funny at times brutal this song's got it and the production is like gothic and kind of scary and ominous and it's just like Let's listen to a bit of Blunt After Blunt by Danny Bryan. Kush got a nigga feeling awful. Ate that bitch pussy till she squirted like a dog. Told her bend over. Hit that shit doggy. Called her a cab. Then I told that bitch to call me. Danny Brown, bitch. Tell me what you need. I got some Adderall and fire ass weed. And they try to tell me I get too high. That's a lie. If so, bitch, I would have been done. The flow out dick. Don't get cold chase. Capacia, fuck with me. Yeah, I mean, it kind of, the interesting thing about it was it really, he really, yeah, shot up in profile. I mean, at this time, he there weren't a lot of people who were rapping at the level he was, with the kind of skill he was. And so the other kind of bra- rappers who were sort of breaking out around the same time, um, yeah, ASAP Rocky. Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. The whole TDE crew, like Absol. Yeah, they all kind of s- fucked with Danny Brown. Schoolboy Q. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the one of Danny's best songs, or the best verses, rather, is on Absol's song, Terrorist Threats. Yes, that's right. Uh, you know, when, you know, Absol sort of was... I, he sort of re, like receded a little bit of, uh-huh. of the four black hippies, but at the time, at that time, he was it was still uncertain who was going to kind of be the the real breakout artist from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, that song is like one of the strongest from his whole catalog. Yeah, it's it's also interesting that I mean, this song, I mean, this album uh, was basically it made it was number one on a lot of like a lot of music publications best of the year list, mm-hmm. including like Spin Magazine, uh, top five like at other places like Pitchfork and stuff like that. And it was mm-hmm. like. It's interesting to hear Danny talk about this album since then because he said that he made this album wanting critical acclaim. Like yeah. and, he, and he and he studied what kind of albums got critical acclaim and tried to replicate that in mm-hmm. the way that he he structured this album. Yeah. Which I thought was very interesting because listening to it back I wouldn't necessarily think that. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, it doesn't sound like somebody appealing for critical approval. It just sounds like somebody making really good Music. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I guess if you're, the way you make critically acclaimed stuff is not by, I, I guess if it's sort of in contrast to trying to like trend hop or like, you know, do the stuff that other songs, I mean, he kind of, he kind of like, uh, you know, makes allusions to this, but with a song radio song off, uh-huh. off this record. Yes, yes. Um, that, you know, where he, he kind of has all these uh, sort of entendre, double entendres about featuring sort of popular rap songs in it. But like, 
I guess if if it's in contrast to that, it's just like making really personal work. But if you were to look at like other sort of critically acclaimed rap stuff, it doesn't. A lot of that has sort of like sort of nineties a note at nineties throwback feel to Uh it when the sort of conception of what a rap album should be was really formed. Mm -hmm. And this is not that. This is like singular and in particularly Danny. And that's that. If it's like what it is to be critically acclaimed is to make work that's very personal and very distinct. Like that's an that interpretation of it, sure, you know. Yeah, that it still just strikes me as odd that that's how he would. I mean, because that that is kind of like some of the stuff that he said about it. But it's like yeah. it still strikes me as odd to think that that would be, you know, what what I mean. I think I would I would like to think that that's what everyone would want to do. <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah, it's true. Although I don't think they do. I don't. No, think... I mean not anymore. Yeah, if I don't you look think at, so. Like, even some of the albums that like we've really liked from the last few years, like if you think of like. I mean, it's a different time with the streaming era. Mm-hmm. But if you think of like a Cardi B album, mm-hmm. like Invasion of Privacy, which is like a good album, yeah. But it's all like they're all singles. Like the yes, songs don't—they don't—they're song not single, necessarily actually. one narrative or anything mm-hmm. like that. And like, there's a few personal moments on like the song "Be Careful" is very personal. Yeah. Uh, but outside of that, it's like it's kind of like not so much, you know? Yeah, I think. I mean, to be honest, I think that some. Frankly, I wish everybody tried to make those kind of, of works but it doesn't always make sense like financial sense success, uh-huh. you know sense to do that or uh you're not necessarily going to see that kind of success you know like some artists probably don't care about the critical establishment at all of course like I, that notion is like so dumb to them i mean i think it's also like it's it's just not as important as it once was like yes. for danny brown making this this album the way that he did, this gave him a career. It did. You know, and he tried to go the more traditional route, the the kind of like, you know, he dabbled in the backpack rap world with mm-hmm. Black Milk. Yeah. He tried to do the gangster rap thing with Tony Yeo. Yeah. He also hilariously said that Tony Yeo brought him to 50 Cent and 50 Cent liked his music, mm-hmm. but was like, man, you got to wear bag your jeans, dog. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so not, funny. It's not going to work. Uh, I mean, there was there was like a weird, there was a really weird interview that came out maybe in 2012 on thisis50.com where the, remember when 50 was trying to do a world star competitor called thisis50.com? He, it's still going. Like, it's he's still, still going? It's still going. It, they do interviews with the comedian Jack Jack Thriller. Yeah. He still he still does interviews. So they, they, I, I'm, don't, I'm not sure if he was the guy who interviewed Danny Brown, but he asked him if he was gay. Like he literally asked me if he was gay because he was wearing tight pants. Yeah, it sounds sounds like, like twenty eleven or whatever. But it also sounds like yeah. this is fifty. Also hilariously, one of my favorite lines on this album, which I believe is on uh, Blunt After Blunt. Yeah. Danny Green's like, Rest in peace, whack niggas with oversized clothes. Complain <laughs> about my jeans because I'm taking all they hoes. That was, I was like, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> that's also like... that was a very good uh Danny impression. <laughs> um Yeah, I mean so it's sort of he he kind of was an immediate standout from uh, from that sort of new class of rappers uh, that appeared, and it sort of seemed a little bit like the sky was the limit for him. Yeah, he even I mean it's interesting because he was on the he was on the the double XL freshman list mm-hmm. in a, with a with like Hobson, French Montana, Machine Gun Kelly, Iggy Azalea, Roscoe Dash, and like <laughs> what a others list. Oh, yeah, it's really interesting. Um, but it's like it's interesting that like it's not it wasn't just the mag you know the critical because double XL is a very like mainstream yes, hip hop list. Yeah, like for sure. if you I mean, are on a double XL list, that means that major labels know who you are. Exactly, like, there, you there are, are people lobbying the, for you to be on there to get that kind of exposure. That's right. So it like he transcended just the kind of like you know hipsters in Williamsburg, yeah, and was like sure. co- connecting more to the mainstream, yeah, and. Yeah, I don't know. It, and he like started doing like a lot of he was doing a lot of festivals. Festivals. He you know? uh, oh, uh, here's a funny story about a Danny Brown show that I went to in 2012. I believe you were there too, James. I was. I was on stage, so yes. I didn't have the same experience. Oh shit! All right, all right. <laughs> then you had okay. You got to say all that. All right. Um, so I went to see Danny Brown and Action Bronson in 2012 in Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall, and I went with a crew of maybe five to seven people. And like I think it was like I think it was the makeup was like you know five guys and two girls, and we so we we get there and we kind of like got there pretty early so we moved to the front pretty pretty easily, mm. and then we had a really good position like right at the directly at the front of the stage and I also remember this being one of the first shows where I was like, um, I was like oh wow like you know 
first of all, the crowd was like a lot of like what I would describe as like EDM bros, mm-hmm. which kind of like makes sense to me now. But like also then I, I was just like, what? Yeah, this was a new discovery for sure about his his crowd. Yeah, because I think I just like had not really been to too many shows that were like kind of like this kind of like hipster rapper, you know, mm-hmm. or like so the fan base was like a hipster was like the fan base was people that maybe didn't like that many other rappers. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. And so that was like a little bit shocking. And then like everyone was like, they were like on hard drugs, you know, yeah. like it was, it was a, one of those vibes anyway. So we move up to the front, uh, the, the, the kind of the front. And at some point these, these, like these women came over and try to like get up in our space. And they were like leaning on my friend, Alex, our friend, Alex. Mm. And he just like looked at them and he was like, he's like, you know, you can't stand here. Right. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, sorry. And they just, like, moved away. They just moved, like, a little bit, a few feet away. Because mm. they're, like, leaning, literally, like, you know, in, like, leaning on him. Yeah. A few minutes later, another woman kind of comes up, a different mm-hmm. woman kind of mm-hmm. comes up. And she starts leaning on me. So, like, her body's, like, physically on my body, like, mm-hmm. kind of, like, up in my space. And I, was, and I turn to her. And I just, like, use Alex's line. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like, you know, you can't stand here, right? And she's, like, what? And I was, like, oh, you're, like, you're, like leaning on me. Like, you can't, like, stand here. Like, I'm standing here. And she's, like, what? And I was like, yo, 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 slow your roll, slow your roll. She's like, know your roll? <laughs> and I was like, no. No, I said, like, slow your roll. It means, like, chill, chill. And then she starts, like, kind of yelling at me. Right. And then people come up and they kind of separate us. And all my friends are tapping me on the shoulder like, Jordan, what happened? Like, what happened? <laughs> Jordan, and like, why are you fighting that woman? Yeah. And then she's a few feet away from me. People have, like, like kind of separate us. And I, and I look over to her and I can't hear her because, like, the DJ is playing music. But she's, like, pointing at me and she's, like... She's like mouthing stuff that's basically stuff like I can I'm gonna like get you or I'm gonna get people to beat you up and all this stuff. Oh my god! And like I didn't know what to do, so I I kind of like I just like I was like yo, like I said this really loud. I was like yo, you're an adult, act like it. Yeah. And everyone was like ooh, hit it with that good one. Hit it with that dad vibe. He didn't even swear. Like like everyone like people around were just like oh man that guy sunned her. Yeah. (laughs) And then. I turned my head for a second and I turned back and she punched me in the face. Oh my God. Right in the face. And I was wearing glasses. And like, luckily, like, I caught, like, it, the glasses like fell off my face and I just caught them in my hands. Oh, yeah. and, and like, it wasn't a super hard punch. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, what the fuck? She punched me. And I was like, what do I do? Yeah. And I was like looking around and then I was like, I, I was right by the front barrier. So I leaned over and I was like, security. They're like, what happened? I'm like, she fucking punched me. Yeah. Like, what? I'm like, this woman punched me in the face. Like, you better kick her out right now. And then the security guard, Looked at me, looked at the woman, then he called more security o- over, and they came in, they went in the crowd, and they grabbed her, and they kicked her out. The thing is, the security guard is like, on one hand, you got punched by a woman. On the other hand, I love throwing people out. <laughs> you know? Security I mean, love throwing I people out. I should say, I thought they threw her out, but yeah. then later, I saw that she was still in the venue, but she wasn't She wasn't wearing any shoes. <laughs> oh, no. Just like, at a concert, dude. Jesus. It, anyway, but I, I, my whole thing was, I was like, man, that, like... It's a liability they didn't kick her out because, like, let's say she did have some dudes there who were going to beat me up, and then yeah. they did beat me up. That's a lawsuit right there. You true, know, true. You gotta get. You gotta get the. She already. She already committed an assault at this venue. It's true. And then you know, if the uh, if the Danforth Music Hall security had been more on his game, then maybe uh, Pusha T wouldn't have beer thrown on him. I mean, you know, there it is. There it's, it is. That, I feel like these things are linked. They yes yes um for those of you that don't know what James is referencing uh, when Pusha T did his concert in Toronto at the Danforth Music Hall last last year uh, some goons rushed the stage presumably on behalf of uh, uh, the boy the boy uh, based off of the beef but um, yeah anyway <laughs> they shut that show down pretty quickly after yeah. like they I think they realized the stakes there but yeah. uh, this anyway, show, so similar guess, similar stakes in my opinion yeah I mean. I just wanted to share the story of the time I got punched in the face at a Danny <laughs> Brown concert yeah. by a young woman who couldn't have been more than 20 years old. I, I hope that she uh, is listening to this and, uh, you know, deeply regrets her actions. <laughs> I wonder if she even remembers it. I would have feeling that probably that, I don't know, she's probably got bigger problems at this point. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, yeah, after Triple after X came old... Danny became kind of a darling of brands, you know? He had a deal with Adidas Originals. Oh, yeah. He, he had like a Scion. Scion, which yeah. which is actually one of his most popular songs. is yeah. a song called Grown Up, yeah. which yeah. is like made as a part of this brand partners, partnership with Scion, which is a... Which is, I think, a smart an electric vehicle, if I no, recall correctly. It's like a, I think it's like a... Isn't it owned by Toyota or something like that? Scion car. Yeah, it's owned by Toyota. It's like kind of boxy looking cars. Um... 
I don't know. Yeah, they anyway. really, they really did. They really tried to make it like a music thing. Yeah, but I, I mean, that song, the song "Grown Up" was never my favorite Danny song. Yeah, but I know that it really introduced him to a lot of people because it was super like poppy and yeah, it had a really of, good video. And it was kind of like a night. Yeah, it had a good video with like a, a little boy being yeah. like a Danny Brown lookalike, which was fun, and uh, had you know, it's like in the in the genre of like back in the day. You know, mm-hmm, and like mm-hmm. like old school by Tupac, like uh, "Sky's the Limit" by Biggie, like that kind of like throwback. Remember when we were kids? I, yeah, I always like hearing rappers rap, rap about being kids. Me too. I love it. I love it. Let's listen to a bit of "Grown Up" by Danny Brown. Now I spit a 16 straight with no punch. Remember all the dinner, all we ate was Captain Crunch. Now we blow big blunts on our way to brunch. Went from good fella to commissary slips. Now I got back up, man, every time I slept. Never ever quit, I just kept on pursuing. Teacher always asked me, what was I doing? Scribbled in my notebook and never did homework. Low attention fans, guess these Adderall work. Rock Tommy Hill shirts, ones with the boat. Rock poor kicks way before we even smoke. Used to have baby lungs choking when I hit it. Nowadays, face the whole seven and a sentence. So, yeah, amongst this, uh, within a couple years, Danny Brown released uh, Old, which was his next album. Um, you know, for me, I thought it, this album was had some really high highs and some kind of low lows uh-huh. to it. Um, there's an amazing song called "The Return" with Freddie Gibbs. Uh, the, the, the title the title is both a reference to his age, yeah, and kind of like a continuation of the trip of th- uh, Triple X being thirty, yeah, but also like a return, which is like the old, to, to the old, old Danny, Danny Brown, Brown. because yeah. I think there were some people. Who saw his breakout moment with Triple X? Some Danny Brown fans who were like, "Oh, what, what's like? Where's the old Danny Brown?" Meaning the boom bap Danny Brown. Yeah, yeah. And he kind of like was like, "Okay, he." I think this album he like, which is also structured in a way where there's a side A and a side B, mm-hmm. and I, I, he was trying to split like split his personality in two and do the kind of like more boom bap style on like half, yeah, and then do his like sort you know electronic music influence stuff on the other half. Yeah, for me, I found that the sort of indie electronica stuff on this one didn't work for me as much as it did on triple x like i like the rapping part of it considerably more um it's yeah it's 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 got some got some good songs on it but it ultimately felt like you know sort of a problem that a lot of underground rappers can have is the production doesn't always rise to match the quality of their beats Hmm. you know because they don't have the same budget of their lyrics lyrics, yes pardon me the Mm -hmm. production doesn't match how good the lyrics and rapping are um and i felt like this i felt like this album was an example of it uh in like danny is an amazing rapper he's one of the best rappers of all time in my book not like top five Uh but he's on like the top 50 probably right interesting and like i mean just from a from a you know just like danny brown guest verse is like he's he's in that category where he's gonna kill a guest Mm -hmm. verse like every Mm -hmm. single time uh, just in the way that he, you know, stood out on the, uh, de- you know, with amongst Despot and yeah, and and stuff. Yep. Um. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, then I mean, one one thing I'll say about this album is like I feel like this is like where kind of like my it's not even, I don't even know if I want to call it an issue, but this is like sort of where my relationship with Danny Brown kind of takes a turn. Right. Is this project like I think I was so excited after triple x that it's it's almost like it would be hard for him to top i mean i really think it's like one of the best albums of the decade yeah and i understand it'd be really hard for him and i also realize that this is not his second album but like as far as his new his like new his his introduction to the music world in a lot of ways this was kind of his second album. absolutely yeah and it's like uh or second project i would say yeah and this is like and it felt like to me this is like every this is like the epitome of a sophomore slump yes like it's kind of like he didn't know what direction to go in, so he tried to do everything on yes, it. Yeah. And what he ended up with is kind of like a mess that's a bit of nothing to me. Like, I think the rapping is, like, good. He's a good rapper. Mm-hmm. But I feel like from this project compared to Triple X, there's nothing to grab onto. There's nothing to latch onto. Yeah. It's just it, – it feels kind of devoid of a of a – I don't know. It feels devoid of a grand narrative. It feels like it's missing all of the ele- a lot of the elements that made Triple X so special. Mm-hmm. And I think this is also where my interest in him as a rapper started to wane. Yeah. And I, 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 you know, Danny Brown is a cultural figure. 
which we'll get into a little later, because now he is just a cultural figure. He's got a show on Viceland. Yeah. He's done the podcast circuit where he's on, you know, I remember around this time he was on uh, Neil Brennan, the comedian Neil Brennan, who co-created Chappelle's show. The comedian Moshe Kasser had this podcast called The Champs, mm-hmm. where they would only interview black comedians. Right. And then they would occasionally, like, interview other people, and they interviewed Danny Brown on it. And he was so engaging because he has a, a bunch of amazing stories and an incredible life and he's so interesting mm. and i was like okay i i could see that as a new lane for him as like kind of being a public a personality mm-hmm. and then i feel like that's where he started like kind of st- stepping into that role yeah and he was way more compelling to me as that than he was a rapper at this time and, yeah. I, and i feel like to be honest with you that's continued throughout his career yeah i mean so i will say his next record atrocity exhibition uh is like a big step up from old in my opinion mm. I felt like it, it's uh so 2016 in rap you have the life of pablo you have you know still kind of like uh future and young thug running things you've got um an album by a uh, up-and-coming artist named beyonce called lemonade yes it's yeah. not really rap but it's there's rap on that there's a lot of rap there's some good rap on that album there is uh you've got you know a schoolboy Q record. You've got uh, Drake views. You've got uh, Ray Shremmerd and the oh, yes. uh, you know uh, Black Beatles. You've got uh, you know Vince Staples follow up. You've got uh, Isaiah Rashad. Mm. You've got Travis Kendrick. Scott. You've got like it's like you yeah. know Ty yeah. Dolla Sign. You've got so much you know uh, like there's just there was so much new rap. It was also kind of when the SoundCloud stuff was popping off. Yes, like, it's true. Like Yachty and and uh, Kodak uh-huh. and Twenty One Savage. Uh-huh. Like there was so much happening in rap that Danny fell a little bit passe. Almost it's true. At this point. He did. I think also it's like there was also this is like kind of like the dawn of people having premium streaming accounts. Yes. You know? So I think the barrier to release music became. Much lower. Much lower. Yeah. Like, it was a lot more digital, less physical. Mm-hmm. So I think by nat- by virtue of that, just more artists putting out projects that you're aware of, and you're able to sample all these different projects. So your attention is so split in a way, whereas, I mean, Danny obviously has his diehard fans, but, like, you know, even someone like me, mm-hmm. who was a big Danny Brown fan, you know, four years before 2016, four, mm-hmm. four or five years, when the album came out, I was, like, excited when I first saw the first single, and then I kind of just forgot about it, and I... Yeah. Never really investigated it because yeah, I was yeah. like I was satiated from from rap and also old had really kind of turned me off from Danny as a rapper. I was just like, you know, it's just I just wasn't. I felt like he was he still had all the skills, mm-hmm. but I I was like I think his most interesting work is behind him. Yeah, and I mean I th- I think Adrocity Exhibition is easily his second best album. I don't think it, I don't think it's even a question to me. It has like he does so many interesting different things on it. Uh, the production's great. He's got like his sort of posse cut, which has Kendrick, Absol, and Earl Sweatshirt on it called Really Doe. He's got, um, you know, just like sort of like kind of more fun, uh, um, kind of like stonery songs, uh, like Get High with featuring Be Real from uh, Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. Mm-hmm. He's got like kind of like an ambient, like kind of R&B song with uh, Kalila. Uh, he's got, um, dance in the water, which just kind of reminds me of like a like a Diplo late two thousand sort of like dance party song. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's got some kind of like really like harder songs like pneumonia. It's I think it's actually one of the more underrated records of that of the decade. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what song would you like to play for this album? Um, let's listen to dance in the water because there's not really a lot of rap songs that sound like it. So after Atrocity Exhibition, I mean, Danny was a little bit 
disappointed that it did, in fact, kind of get lost. In, he, he, in, he also mentioned that he spent $70,000 of his own money, so not label money, yeah. to clear samples on yeah. the album. Like, there's a Michael Jackson sample on it. And he was like, don't spend money, don't spend your own money on samples for an album that nobody buys. Yeah, I mean, it, it debuted at number 77 on the Billboard Top 200 with 77,000 equivalent sales. I mean, this is this is streaming era numbers. This Ouch. isn't this isn't physical that is, copies. That is a massive bomb. Yeah, 3 million total streams for the a 15 song album it is rough. I mean, like, you know, we're not expecting him to again to be number 1, but he's the kind of artist that should have had the pedigree to but again, it was just he came out in such a crowded year. I think if he'd come out a year later, uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. I think it would have it actually would have done better. It's sort of a a poorly chosen release. You know, it's 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 kind of a shame that he should need to uh, manage his his sort of release around that. But like, uh, you know, a year later, there was not a lot of really great rap music fall of 2017, and it would have stood out a lot more. You know, I think, but I think also what was happening is that you know it. There's a three-year gap between Atrocity Exhibition and Old, mm-hmm. and I think there's a, a feeling of, like, you got to get this out there with people, like, to, to keep the relevance of you musically. Yeah. Like, obviously, he has a lot of the other things going on. He's, like, in the pop culture. He's, like, in the public eye, but mm-hmm. it's, like, you know, a three-year gap between albums for someone like Danny Brown, I feel like it was, like, kind of, like, at, at that time. Yeah. You know, where old wasn't as critically, I mean, it was well reviewed and well regarded, yeah, but it didn't hit as hard as Triple X. Yeah. It's like you're kind of like toying with your at the very least, you need to be aware that that's the stakes that it's like coming out in, that it needs a little bit more of like a marketing boost to get out there, and that you it the the circumstance around the release matter, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like if if Danny Brown is like the the sort of critically acclaimed sort of underground rapper, he's sort of it's still coming out in a year where there's a lot of critically claimed rap, you know, like it's that, you know, you need to have the market anyway. So he kind of went quiet again after that musically. He's still, yeah, he's around in the pop, uh, culture circuit, but not, I don't, he didn't really have, uh, he had had a couple, I don't, he didn't really have too many more notable, um, uh, like features after that, you know, um, Really, like, barely any. None in 2018. And so that leads us to this year, when he released You Know What I'm Saying. Mm -hmm. Which, unfortunately, is not... uh, not Actually, I would say it's probably Danny's worst record. Interesting. uh, It just... You know, I, I listened to it a bunch to kind of... After kind of realizing how much I really liked Danny's best work, mm-hmm. it made, made me kind of try and really want to try and f- uh, find the something to like about it. Uh, you know, part of the things that's interesting about it is it has some Q-Tip executive producing it. Yes. Uh, who is one of actually hip-hop's all-time most underrated producers. Mm-hmm. Produce- we should, should also mention that Q-Tip and Danny Brown have a long relationship. Q-Tip actually introduced Danny Brown's music to the Fool's Gold guys who put out Triple X, mm. so it's A-Track and Nick, Nick Catchdubs. Yeah. So Q-Tip has been a figure in Danny Brown's musical career for the duration of this decade. Yeah. I mean, it's like Q-Tip, apart from uh, producing so much of, the, you know, almost all of the Tribe Called Quest music, just one love by... Nas, he produced a bunch of Mob Deep stuff. You know, he produced um, like Honey by Mariah Carey. You know, he's Ooh. kind of like an underrated. It's a very good song. Yeah, he's like an underrated, like all time uh, kind of producer, in my opinion. Um, you know, he he yeah. Apart from producing his own stuff, is you know. Uh, he produced Chain Heavy by Kanye West, kind of an underrated song. Oh, man. Uh, produced, that is a good one. He produced Liftoff. Uh, he's a co-producer on Liftoff. The by, Watch the Throne? On Watch the Throne. Interesting. You know, he's like, he's, he, he's, uh, he's like a, a, a really like a kind of a, a all-time great producer, even for his, uh, his like, just his Tribe Called Quest mm-hmm. stuff alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but... This album, there's nothing that stands out about it. Like, uh-huh. literally nothing. There's not one song that I'm like, this is the the good song from it. Yeah. Usually with a, a, a project... I, I, have, I have a song in this album that is the good song. What's your me. favorite song from the, the record? Uh, I think my favorite song from this album is is Savage Nomad. I feel like it's it's the song that like reminds me of the kind of... 
You know, and not to be the guy who's like, you the know, old Danny Brownback. Well, not even that, but just like chasing that first high yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of thing. But it's like the thing that gets me closest to that to that triple X kind of feeling on this album is Savage Nomad. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like, you know, the kind of like narrative driven, aggressive Danny Brown rap with like occasional moments of humor. And like it, it has kind of like a total package of like what I really liked about him. Mm-hmm. So let's listen to a little bit of Savage Nomad by Danny Brown. Memory lapse, I'm in that matte black black strap from that I blow mat. A weatherman and beat, I predict the boat cap. Sour any beat with the dirtiest boat cap. This was the 70s to be a savage nomad. Shirtless with a vest, staying warm by burning trash. Give a toe tag to a broke ass who's so fast or so cash. Hope you think you're dealing with my resume is killing me. That was so much pain that I don't even know what feeling is. Like a board of houses in between them, lie to killing fields. Yeah. If through so many rays, we treat that shit like it's a fire drill. Mayday, mayday, sound the alarm. No yeah, and I think just in general, like, you know, uh, I, one thing that will, I'll, I, Danny Brown gets a lot of, like, you know, credit for is, like, his adventurous nature in terms of production mm-hmm. there's a lot of like really like great producers on this album is flying flying lotus and thundercat do a track um he's got jpeg mafia produced one of the songs for him um and you know i but it i, I kind of think that the this this production it's just not my taste man it reminds yeah. me a lot of like the, the kind of vince staples stuff it's like vince staples a rapper who i find interesting uh, his production sometimes I'm just like this is like hard for me to listen to it's yeah. like not an enjoyable even with Danny Brown in this album it's like this album is also very like this album is pretty critically acclaimed like you know Pitchfork uh, you know music critics like this album mm-hmm. um, yeah we're, we're we stand apart from that he got five stars from uh, The Observer in the UK Rolling Stone gave him four stars like Guardian gave him four stars like I I do not like this album no. <laughs> you know it's like I just find I don't you know on one hand I'm like good for you for going on like kind of like off the beaten path with production, because mm-hmm. this is something we've talked about in this podcast, how, you know, the trap sound is tiresome at this point mm-hmm. and you kind of want something new. Mm-hmm. And, but on, on this album, it's like, it's a slog for me. To, it was a slog for me to listen to this album. And I, I mean, you, you know, there, there's kind of a, a thing that we probably talked about a little bit before, but you know, the sort of irony of, of Danny Brown starting his career so self-aware of his own age, you know. It's like now Danny Brown is sort of clean cut. He's lost his sort of trademark hair. He's clean, he used to have a his... big gap tooth and he yeah. fixed, the, fixed the gap. He's he's cut his hair from the kind of asymmetrical thing to have a, a more like standard uh, standard haircut. Yeah, he always dressed like super wild, like crazy, the craziest clothes he could wear, mm-hmm. you know. And now he's just, you know, he's sort of like it's like he's like lost the rock star sort of appeal. He's just, you know, he's got his, his daughter just graduated high school. His daughter's like eighteen years old. Yeah. Like he's just, you know, a regular dad now. Yeah, and like that's cool. He's done great things, and you know, part of me feels like maybe he's just on this cycle where it's like Triple X was was incredible. Old was eh, had its highs and lows. Oh, it's better than this. Atrocity Exhibition, another high point. This another low. And then maybe the next one will be better. But the, there is a huge challenge for rappers, especially who've got kind of like a bad boy image of some kind, whether it's being like street or in Danny's case of being this sort of like crazy drug, like sex obsessed dude of getting older. And how do you like sort of maintain that energy? You know, it's true. And I think, you know, I think if you think about like, I mean, I guess this is another thing we haven't really mentioned is that over the over the past decade, he's gone through various struggles with like drug addiction and like you know, sex addiction to some just degree. Just being really wild. Just like living the character, living mm-hmm. the gimmick, as they call it in pro wrestling. And I think that, um, I think that you know, at this point in his life, there's a lot more stability than he's ever had. Mm-hmm. You know, his career is in a. He is like perfectly ensconced in the in the hip hop world in a way that he's never going to leave. Like mm-hmm. he has a show on Viceland, like a television yeah. show. You know, yeah. so he is like he like I think that he doesn't have to. He's just so stable, mm-hmm. and I feel like. The stability of of that combined with probably, you know, a decrease in like the kind of obsessive, uh, you know, the the drug use of his earlier career Mm -hmm. and like how that impacted the music has kind of, he's just, I feel like he's just like in a really safe zone. And this album feels like that. Yeah. You know, I I feel like 
I, yeah. I don't I don't fault him. I, I'm no, happy for no, him. No, like, no. I, is... I think it's this is like one of the his what is happening to what has happened to his career is one of the best possible outcomes. Like it actually maybe is the best possible outcome. Could have happened from like twenty from twenty eleven. Yeah. Uh, the just mu- music has just become infinitely less interesting to me. Yeah, and I I mean I think. I think it's still possible that he could bring out like a great rap album, but I have to wonder that like, you know, he took his time. He took three years to make this, this record. He says, you know, he recording intermittently. And it's just a part of me. that feels like what was the necessity of putting this rap, this album out? What was he actually trying to accomplish where I feel like, you know, triple X has this incredible urgency of like time and place in it. Old, you know, again, sort of at least was trying to balance these two sides of his true, image. True. Atroc- Atrocity Exhibition, he's like, he wants, he, I think he wanted to follow up on that like critical acclaim that led to more of like a commercial breakout. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, the, that didn't really work out. And I feel like the ambition that was there in that album isn't here in this album. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. I think it's true. I mean, I think, I think, I, I also have a feeling of like, I really enjoy Danny Brown's rapping, like mm-hmm. his writing, his voice. Um, but if I have to listen to production that I think is like, that is like, feels like a punishment yeah. to listen, to try and pull out the lyrics, like, yeah. it's just like, it's just not something I can do or I'm willing to do. And that, that's also like, it almost feels like in some ways that even the things that I really liked about him lyrically, it's like, I've already, I've heard this stuff before. Yeah. You know, I've heard the, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. the really punchy, super funny, interesting references, like kind yeah, of thing. Yeah. And I just I'm just like not expecting to hear another Danny Brown album that I'm really like gripped by. I, I'm not looking for it, you know. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. checking for it. Like yeah, yeah. he's gonna put out a new album. I might I'm like I might sample it, but I I, I just can't see myself being excited for another Danny Brown album. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll always be happy to see him yeah. doing stuff, but like that's kind of like where I'm at with him. Yeah. After this, listening to this, I this hear project. you. I hear you, and I think that's that's the thing. He might just be old. Hmm. He's thirty eight, you know. Yeah, you know, and that, that there's nothing wrong with that. He he, I could see him like being an actor. You know, he's a yeah. super creative. You person, know, in one of the, the, the like, lead video presence. for this for this uh, this album is a song called "Dirty Laundry," and um, the video it's like Danny Brown like kind of playing this character like, and you can see him really hamming it up, and you see his kind of like you see his charisma, his charisma, and you see that he's like oh he's like. A creative know, guy. It's a it's a very like him. comedic persona that he's playing in yeah. this video, and I and I see that like being a lane of his that I'm like okay he can do that proficiently you yeah. know so and it be, it be, and he's pals with all he's pals with like Dave Chappelle and like Neil Brennan and all these people in the comedy world mm-hmm. and like I, I I see you know he had a small role in the in the movie White Boy Rick which is a Matthew McConaughey <laughs> yeah yeah uh, joint from last from 2018 that kind of got. Uh, just dumped on the uh, on various like you know streaming platforms and just kind of didn't really get a, a, a cinema push. Yeah, but um, so I think I think that that's like kind of like a lane I see him in. I could see him in whatever the next Judd Apatow movie is, making a cameo. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Like I could even see him getting like like a Netflix show where he's a character on it. You know? Yes, absolutely. He he could. He's like ready-made sitcom character. Yeah, you know. So you know, and and he's also frankly the type of rapper who I. Wouldn't be surprised if he did put out another great record. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, he's, he does have that in him. I just don't know that he cares. You know, I don't yeah. know if that's where his interest lies. And yeah. that's okay because he has cemented his status as one of like the legendary underground rappers of this decade. So, so yeah, thanks for... Thank you for listening to this episode of Catch Up. Um, once again, please uh, rate, review, subscribe, tell a friend about our podcast if you think they'd like it. Like... You know, get that word of mouth going. That's like how these podcasts grow. Um, obviously, our live episodes bring some new some new listeners to us, but it's also like it's it's you guys. It's like your word. Your word means a lot to people. So please spread it to uh, to people you think would be interested. Yeah, feel free to screenshot that you're listening to this and post it on your Instagram stories. Yeah. Tag us in it. Always really appreciate seeing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's it, it's like it's nice to see that you know people care, and it's a really easy way to do it. So yeah, and it's it's always nice when I, when I talk to someone in real life who's a big fan of the podcast. It always just puts a smile on my face. I talked to some people in the past week who said really nice things about the podcast, and it it it's, it means a lot. So um, real. Yeah, once again, please follow us on, on Instagram at Catch Up Podcast. 
if you have the means, uh, maybe support us on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash catchup podcast. And uh, yes, also, if you're listening to this in the week in which it came out, we are at the shop this Friday night. Mm-hmm. It's Boozy Bay 41. Yeah. Um, Come and if hang you, with the gang. Yeah. If you're also, we should mention, uh, if you're still listening, that uh, we're at TIFF on Thursday night for the last Boozy Fade Film Club of the foreseeable future with mm-hmm. King of New York. Yes. Uh, so come check that out, too. If you've never been to one of those, this is your last opportunity, and it will be a lot of fun. Okay. That's all for this week. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Take care. Stay safe. <laughs>